Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. How many of you happy to be at church today? Fantastic. That was a good one, guys. Well done. Normally, I would have to ask you to do it again, so good job. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Hey, before we get started in the Word today, firstly, this come, uh, we have our team night this Saturday night, and we are going to be talking about, Courtney, stand up, girl. Courtney is going to be uh, our first missionary to Cape Verde, Africa. And so she's going to be uh, with us on uh, Saturday, and we're just going to take a short time to talk about what she's doing, cast some vision for you, because we're going to take an offering next Sunday. We're going to take a missions offering for Courtney, and so get, get, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to, wants you to, what he want, how he wants you to partner with her. Uh, and then I got a word. Lord gave me a word for you uh, for our team night. So come on, we're going to have, uh, my mom made amazing soups. And we're going to have food, and it's going to be amazing, communion, just a free time of worship. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Courtney, and just we have a great video that our, our friend Alex so generously helped us out with. And then uh, I'm going to just share a quick message. You won't regret it. So you say, Ryan, I'm not on the team. Can I come? You can come. Uh, but it's specifically for people who are a part of the team or who want to be a part of the team. But if you're like, man, I'd still like to come, please come out and join us and hear a little bit more about Cape Baird and what's happening there. Sound good? Also, we have our group signups today. You can see Julie for that. Julie, if you're in the room, wave your hand like you just don't care. And then also make sure you sign up for a team as well, and I think she can help you with that as well. Uh, but we just have a lot of great things happening at Love City Church, and we're so excited you are here today. Well, I'm going to get right into the Word today. Um, and uh, I, we've been in this series called Why the Church, and we've talked a little bit about how the, 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 it'll be our fourth week in that, how uh, Jesus uh, died on a cross, and when he did that, he destroyed religion. We hate religion, and we love a relationship with Jesus, and so the first purpose of the church was to destroy religion, and the foundation of this church, the foundation of every Christ-centered local church across the world, the very foundation is a miracle, is the life-giving resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So whether you've had no experience with church, a good experience with church, an ugly experience with church, I'm here to tell you today uh, that the church is alive and well and vibrant and life-giving, and it was the idea of Jesus. And the only problem with church, guess what, is people. <laughs> people are the problem, you know what I'm saying? Like, people are the issue. It's not God. It's not His church. We often just get in the way sometimes. And so... If you've been impacted by the local church in a negative way, I want to say our heart here is just to continue to build a life-giving church that's focused on the life-giving miracle of Jesus Christ. Because what I know about the bride of Jesus Christ is that it's alive, it's well, it's vibrant, there's miracles, there's life change, there's faith, there's hope, there's joy, there's transformation for the world, there's transformation for the city, there's transformation for your marriage and for your finances and for your life, and all of that happens to the instrument that God chose called his local church. That is why the church exists. So that was week one. Get some of that. Go and listen. Our second week, we talked about how the purpose of the church is to create true community. And true community is an environment where you get to be yourself. You don't get to come and pretend to be something you're not. We want you to be exactly who you are. And there's so many churches that are built on a subculture uh, or our culture where we have to project ourselves to be something that we're not, when in reality, that's not what God has called us to at all. God has called you to be exactly the person that you are with all your problems, with all your hangups, with all your marriage issues, with all your bad language, with all the stuff that's going on in your life. God wants you just the way that you are. But the challenge is, is that we got to be open 
in and vulnerable and be ourselves and not allow ourselves to create a subculture where we always project, project the better us so that we can be fit in or be welcomed or be accepted. You just be you because in the kingdom of God, the local church that God is building, everyone is welcome exactly as they are. Now, when you become a follower of Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit starts convicting you. <laughs> now, my job is the Holy Spirit's job. And in your life, he'll begin speaking to you, and he'll begin encouraging you, and he'll begin speaking to your heart. Amen? Amen. Last week, we talked a little bit more about the, the purpose of the church is, is, is to be, create true discipleship and how we have to accept the fact that when we come into the house of God, when you're engaged in a group or you go to a team night or you go to our pursue night, which are every Wednesday from 7 to 8, and I got to tell you, my favorite hour of the week, somebody say hello. Favorite hour of the week, and I'm telling you, if you need, you need a, a, a touch in your heart, you need a transformation in your spirit, you need God to do something in your life, I'm telling you from personal experience, I could let like five or six people stand up right now and tell you that Pursue Night has been the very tool by which God has transformed their lives. And so if you're saying, Ryan, I don't, I don't deserve to be there, you, this is what we do. We have one hour, and we worship for about 45 minutes of it. And we just worship, and we see what God does, and we pray for one another. It is a powerful night, and I want to encourage you to make that literally one, 60 minutes of your week. Go there, and I promise you, you will be benefited from that. But when you're in those environments, what happens is, is that if you go into church and leave church, if you go into a group and leave a group, if you go into team night and pursue night and leave a team night and pursue night, if you're a part of our, the ministry of God and leave not changed, you have not truly become a disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ is molded and shaped and transformed. And we want to create environments where you have fun and we, we eat, drink, and we're merry and we have a good time and we have lots and lots of laughs. But we also know that the journey of this is to become more like Jesus. Amen? So today we're going to talk about the next thing today. And I'm very excited about this because I feel like there's something really, uh, there's, there's something on this today. Something on this thought today that I really want to listen to. And I, everybody, I want every young person under the age of 20 to listen today and Every old person to listen to. And everybody just listen, okay? <laughs> you know, when I, when I'm, I, I, I'm not a, I like to shop, but I'm not a big shopper, but I do like to shop. When I need something, am I a shopper? You love to shop. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I walk through Chinook Mall and the last thing I want to do is shop. You know, you walk through Chinook Mall and you realize you don't have enough money to pay for anything you're going to look at, right? That's the time I don't like to shop. <laughs> so I, I guess I like to shop. Okay, whatever. So I go, and I like to shop by myself predominantly because then my wife comes with me, and I love my wife, as you know. Um, but I, I tend to, you know, she'll say, oh, Ryan, try this, 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 this pants on or try this shirt on or try this coat on. And so I'll take this stuff that I like, and then I'll take the stuff that she likes and uh, the stuff that I feel comfortable in, and I'll put on these, these, you know, these pants that are, like, way too big for me or, you know, they, they make my bum look big or, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> half of you thought that was funny. That was weird. <laughs> You must be wearing jeans to make your nerve <laughs> And you go in and you try this on, you know, and you, you put this outfit on and you look yourself in the mirror and I know you've been here, you look, you're like, oh, I look terrible. I mean, this shirt just added like 60 pounds and I look awful. Or, you know, you like look at it like, man, I look like when I walk, they're so tight, I have to waddle like this. And some of you are thinking, are, are those your pants right now? <laughs> no, these fit fine, thanks. And you're in, you're in the dressing room and then you have to, you're, my wife's like, honey, come out and show me how it looks. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, it doesn't look very good. No, 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 just show me how it looks. I'm like, no, I'm really fine, you know. And then finally, because I love my wife, I obey her, um, and I walk out, and as you know, there's a bunch of 
husbands or men there waiting for their girlfriends or their wives with their children. And I walk out wearing this weird outfit and they're all looking at me. And she's like, it looks so good. It looks awesome. You should wear it. And they're all laughing at me. And I feel embarrassed. I feel ridiculous. And then, and then my wife convinces me to buy that outfit. And then I go home and I wear it around and I never quite feel good. Have you ever worn something where you just know, even though someone said you look good, you know, I just don't look good in this. You ever put on a pair, a shirt, and you're just like, and you're probably, some of you probably, oh, that's probably that shirt today, Ryan. No, like you look at yourself and think, man, I, I don't know why I bought this, and every time I put it on, it makes me feel uncomfortable, and every time I wear this outfit, it just makes me feel like, uh, like I need to lose pounds, or I need to gain pounds, or I need to work out more, or I need to work out less, so that's my problem, and like all these different things you feel when you put on these outfits, when, when you try to fit into this idea of what my wife wanted me to look like, and sometimes in life, that's, that's kind of like what, what it's like for us when we we're trying to figure out what our purpose is. Sometimes in life, we are dressed and we're, we're wearing clothes of life. We're wearing this, this purpose, but we just don't feel quite comfortable in it. It doesn't just quite fit us. There's something about this outfit, this life, this choice that we've had in our life, it, it just doesn't fit. And even though my, mom, my dad told me it would fit, or my mom told me it would fit, or my friends told me it would fit, I just know in my heart that how I'm living my life or what's happened with my existence just isn't, something's just not quite right. I feel like it, I'm just not fitted well enough to the purpose of God for my life. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before where you just feel like, gosh, I just want to make a difference with my life. Or, man, I just feel like there's times in my life where I get to know God better. And when I get to know God better, I look at everything around me that I'm doing and everything else seems so frivolous compared to serving God. And then after a while, it kind of goes back to normal where I just kind of settle back into my life. And I have these moments where I feel really uncomfortable in the life that I'm living. And I just think, God, what are you asking me to do with my life? But then you realize that what he's asking you to do makes you feel a little uncomfortable or you don't feel like you're good enough to do it. Or you feel like you're inadequate or maybe you don't cut it or maybe you're not a Christian long enough or maybe you don't have the right language or maybe you didn't make the right choices or maybe you made too many mistakes or you have all these different things in your life that cause you to disqualify yourself from what God is actually calling you to do. And today I want to talk a little bit more about this fourth purpose of the church was is to help you really figure out how you're wired, what your passions are, what your spiritual giftings are so that you can ultimately bring glory Glory to God, worship God with your life and serve other people and make an actual difference with your life. Right. Now, you know me, I don't hold back. And I'm gonna make a statement. Many of us aren't making a difference in anyone's life. Mm. We're just living day to day for our own kingdom. And I'm just gonna tell you today that God, God's way and the way that God has for you at first appears as though it would not be that appealing at times. But I want you to know, the more you get to know Jesus and the more you get closer to him, you realize, oh my gosh, he wired me to do this. He gave me a passion to do that. He gave me a supernatural gift to do that. And you find that the most fulfillment and the most joy and the most excitement and the most happiness that you will ever feel is when you are being used for the purposes of God to bring glory to his name and to help people for his name. Nothing outside of that will bring you any fulfillment and joy like serving Jesus with your entire life. And the purpose of the church, one of them is to help you come to a point in your life where you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you 
who you are, how you were wired, what your giftings are, what your passions are, and there's a lot here. But I do want to take some time today to teach you some things that God spoke to me uh, many years ago from one of my favorite verses in the Bible, actually. Uh, and I, I've uh, used this scripture for my own life, and I want to pull three things from it, and then I'm going to give you a few other thoughts as we land the plane. But I have a, no doubt that today, uh, there was just a survey done. Barna Group did a survey of 3,000 professed born-again Christians and asked them if they knew what their purpose was, and 86% of them said they do not know what God has called them to do in their life. So that means there's a lot of followers of Jesus that have clothes on, have purpose clothes on. They, you're dressed, but you're not fitted for what God has called you to do. Look at this, this thought here. The more you look into a person's design, the more it will reveal a person's destiny. So let's look at the scripture. Uh, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. So I, this is a, a crazy thought. Jeremiah was a young man who actually wrote his own kind of his own biography. He kind of was, he wrote this about himself. He kind of journeyed through his life, writing, journaling about his life. And he was reflecting back to when God first called him to be a prophet. A prophet, for those of you who may not know, is somebody who could hear from God in a, in a special way and communicate to God's people the words of God. And so it's not something that's weird. God would uh, speak to their heart or speak to their mind or give them a, a confirmation in their heart and they would share what God is saying and that's called a prophet. And so he was given a, a real call on his life to be a prophet, to be somebody who lived a life that constantly was talking and telling about the purposes of God, whether it was difficult or easy, he was always speaking the truth. And this was Jeremiah, the prophet. I was prophesied over my life when I was in, uh, in grade eight that you'll be like a weeping prophet. If you know me, I like to weep a lot. I'm a crier. I almost cried coming up here. And I said, all right, you gotta be happy when you get up there. <laughs> just because I just sense, I, this is what God spoke to me before I got up. This is what the Lord kind of put on my heart. Ryan, I love these people so much. Let them know how much I have for them. Let them know that there's so much more that I have for their lives. And this young man began to write about his life, and he began to write, and he, he said this verse, which is amazing. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Think about that for a minute. Before you were even a thought in your mom and dad's mind, before you were even a thought in, your, in, in the womb of your mother, he says he knew you. He was acquainted with you. He had relationship with you. He was fully aware of the intricacies of your wiring. He was aware of your emotion. He was aware of your soul and your spirit and your heart. He was fully aware, even before you were a created being, even before you were uh, even uh, the starting point of your journey in the womb of your, of your, of, of your mother, you, God knew you. Look at this verse in Genesis 127. So God created human beings in his own image. What a crazy thought. Though your spirit, your soul, your heart, your body, everything about you is actually wired in the very image of God. So when you say, man, like those emotions you have sometimes, when you're angry about the, the injustices in the world, that's God's emotion. When, when you're feeling emotion about somebody who's in need or when someone's hurt you and you feel the overwhelming sense of emotion of being hurt, God has the same emotion, the same spirit, the same soul. soul. You are created in the very image of God. And that word image there actually means a likeness of. Now, Dad, come here for a minute. I was going to do this, but come here. Here's my dad, Terry. He's a good-looking guy. Now, look at my dad. Does he look like me? 
Aren't genetics crazy? So I am made in the image of my father. Now, Brea, come here. Come here on this side, honey. Now look at Brea. Who does she look like? Aren't genetics nuts? And my father, who is 69 years old, you look great, Dad. Uh, it's like a good bottle of wine. That's what I'm going to look like. Hello. And my daughter, who's 10 years old, look at the genetics, how this works. Made in the image of my father. I look like it down. Brea looks like me, but you know who acts like me is my son. God help him. So I'm recognizing this about his wiring. So the wiring is something how God intrinsically wired him to think and act a certain way. And in specific areas of your life, you feel like there's something wrong with your wiring system. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I want you to know, along the journey, there was some fallen nature that got involved, which we'll talk about. But the wiring that God made you, even in the areas where you're anxious or fearful, I want you to know those started with a divine wiring. So when my son comes to me a few days ago, and my, my, my wife's parents were going to take him to school, walk him to school, he was, went into up in arms. No, Dad, you're supposed to take me. Dad, take me. And he just lost it. My, my, my in-laws didn't really understand, so they just thought he was being a whiny kid. You know, he just thought, oh, come on, son, buck it up, you know, buttercup, let's go. But what I took, I realized he was having an anxious moment, and I have these moments all the time. He's wired to have these anxious moments. So I grabbed him and I said, son, breathe with me. And we breathe top of the bottom. We breathe out all the negative, I'll use this word energy, or this negative, like just sense, this stuff. Just breathe out that stuff. And then son, let's identify, why are you upset? See, he's wired like me. So I understand, as his father, when he's struggling in a certain area of his life, I know exactly what he's going through. See, that is just like your father who created you. Before you were even created in your mother's womb, there was a divine wiring that God made you. That's why when you don't serve God, you feel distant and disconnected and dark and broken. That's why when we don't have an alive relationship with our creator, we feel like something's wrong with us. We're broken. Anxiety overwhelms us. Depression impacts us. There's difficulty in our life. It's because we are distant from the very creator that wired us in the first place. So next time there's an anxiety attack, the father who created you, you can go to him and say, oh, what do I do? I want you to go to school with me today, dad. And he says, okay, now breathe, son. I know what this is like. When my son hung on the cross, he was having some moments where he said, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to die on a cross. God, help me. But if it's your will, I'm going to do it. See, Jesus was having grieving moments in Gethsemane. And his father said, oh, I know exactly what you're going through, son. And now he looks at you and says, I know exactly what you're going through because I wired you this way. Now, we'll get to where this happened, where it went a little off track. But you have to know that in the likeness of God, you were created. Look at this verse in Psalms 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's not simple, folks. It's complex. So when you're having an anxious moment or depressed or, or full of fear or you have, um, you're feeling overwhelmed, you think, oh, something's wrong with me. No, God just made you complex. Yeah. So stop thinking in your mind that something's wrong with you. Right. God just made you complex. Mm -hmm. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more he helps you understand the complexities of his wiring. Mm -hmm. 
but you can't understand the divine wiring unless you don't have a close relationship with him. Right. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was, look at this, woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So in all of your emotional disarray, your tendency for your heart to get hurt, your spirit being overwhelmed, he understands it, and he knows it, and he sees right, right what's going on. And the way for us to understand how we are wired, it's a revelation of the Holy Spirit. I went through a season of my life where I didn't sit with a counselor, and I encourage you to, a Christian counselor, but I sat with the Holy Spirit. With, uh, I read the book Wild at Heart. It was the Lord, book the Lord rubbed me to with a journal and my Bible, and I had a lot of junk in my life, and I just sat there for hours letting the Holy Spirit just let me journey through my life and identify areas that caused my wiring to go off track where, oh man, that thing happened, or that kid said that to me, or this thing happened, or that, that thing happened when I was younger, and I began to identify all these different areas of my life, and hey, if the Holy Spirit can do that in your life, praise God. I, but I would encourage you to get a partner. I should have gotten a partner. Did somebody partner with me? And what happened was is he, began to, he began to show me and he revealed this scripture to me. Look at this in Ephesians 1. He says, I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear. So that, everyone say, so that. So that. You can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work and us who trust in him. He says, I pray that, that you would be a, have a discerning relationship with God where it wouldn't just be attendance to a church, but it would be a relationship. And as you have a relationship with him, he begins to discern the areas where, well, I want you to know, I didn't wire you, I wired you originally to do this, but your wiring is off. And so what we need to do is we need to get the wiring reprogrammed. If we reprogram that wiring, we can get things back in order for your life. And so it starts with a wiring. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. He wired you. The second thought here from one of my favorite verses, I knew before I formed you in the mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart. So before you were in your, so in your mother's womb now, now you're, you are in your mom's womb. You are being born. You are being formed. You are being woven together. It says, I set you apart. That word set apart actually means consecrated. It means prepared. It means dedicated. It was actually the word used in, in, in the uh, temple when they, would, uh, they were going to dedicate Aaron and his sons as, as uh, individuals who would be able to lead the people in holy worship. And so they took the blood of a lamb and they took the anointing oil, interesting, the blood of a lamb, Jesus, and the anointing oil, the Holy Spirit, and they would sprinkle it on Aaron and his sons, and then they would be made holy to be able to lead the people in worship. The, the word actually means that you are dedicated to make holy worship to God. It means that you are, your life, your holy passions in your life, God has given you passions in your life that are ultimately intended to bring glory to God, to bring holy worship to God. This means... Your job is not a moneymaker. Your job is a way to bring glory to God. This means that the relationship that you're in is not just about sex or just about being loved or just about being in a wanted relationship. The relationship, relationship you're in needs to be about bringing glory to God because in your mother's womb, if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, in your mother's womb, God put on you 
a mantle and a consecration to live a life that brings glory to God, to live a life that worships God in everything that we do. But many of us, even in our womb, there's been instilled unholy carnal passions that just came from being born. That were wild. Some things, sometimes it's things your parents maybe said of you when you were in your mama's womb. Maybe it was a circumstance that was going on. Maybe there's death in the family or there was an addiction or there's a difficulty. What you don't realize is that there was messages and there was prophetic thoughts and ideas being proclaimed over you because outside of the womb, you're in a fallen world. And so there was a re rethinking process that was put over you. And many times all throughout your life, this happens, but you started when God originally formed you. He formed you to come out of the womb and live a life from day one to day of death, bringing holy worship unto God in my relationships, in my finances, in my, in my serving at the church, in my being a missionary to my, to my neighborhood, to being a missionary to my work, that everything I do brings glory and honor and praise to God, to holy worship to God, the way I think and the way I act and the way I drive, Jesus forgive me, the way I drive and the way I go to the, the, the mall and where I do, where I do it, everything I do with my life, everything I say, everything I act, everything I speak, everything I think is all holy worship unto God. You're given holy passions and you were appointed. Third thought here, Jeremiah 1.5. Actually, let's read Romans 12, 1. Look at this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, look at this. I plead with you to give your bodies, say bodies. bodies, bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, when you get in a car and go to work, is it, it's not just your soul going to work, right? It's your body. When you're having an argument with your spouse, it's not just your heart talking, it's your, your body. This idea of body is that your natural life, the seen things. He says the, the actual acceptable, foundational, basic. He's saying the, like, the most simplest, foundational, basic way for you to live a life for God is everything in the natural should be a living sacrifice to God. And from your womb, you were appointed to be a holy worship unto the Lord in everything that you did. The last part of this verse is Jeremiah 1.5. I knew before you formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart. Look at this. I appointed you as my prop to the nation. So we have a wiring. He knew you. He, he, wo he wo wove you. <laughs> weaved you. Weaved. That's right. Weaved. Weaved you. <laughs> he gave you holy passion. And now it says he appointed you as a prophet. That word appointed is, is like, it means to give, to set, to put in place. This is actually speaking about giving you a gift. You were given the gift to hear from me so that you can prophesy to the people of God. So you were given a gift. So we have a wiring. We have a holy passion. And we have gifts. God has given you gifts. Look at this in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Use them well to serve one another. Another translation, use whatever gift you've received for the good of one another so that you can show yourselves to be good stewards of God's grace in all of its varieties. Now listen, if you today say, Ryan, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, did you know that by God's grace, he has given each and every one of you at least one of these spiritual charismatic, charismata gifts that's found in scripture? Every one of you here has at least one of them. And this is, my, this is why I think it's important to talk about this today. Because I believe that one of the greatest snares of the enemy is to get followers of Jesus not to recognize that you've been given a divine gift from God that benefits the house of God. The only way for you to see the results and the fruit in your life from experiencing all God has for you. I want you to hear me very clearly. The only way for you to feel like you're fulfilling the purposes of God for your life is to plant that gift God gave you into the house God called you. Yes. That's it. He's called you to a church. He's called you to a house. He's called you to a field. If he's called you to that place, what he says, I want you to plant that because it will remain only a gift God gave you. It will remain just a dormant little seed in your life with so much incredible potential. And a seed does not have a harvest until what? It's put into the soil. It is yeah. watered. Yeah. It grows. Yeah. It becomes exactly what God called it to be. Uh, apple grove when it originally started as a seed. You say, Ryan, I just don't feel like I'm making enough impact for my life. I just, I just feel like I'm just not doing enough. Listen, all you have to do is plant that seed. And it can happen in many ways. It can happen by being on the worship team and serving our kiddos and being in the community when we set up this whole environment. It can be being on a missions team that we're going to send next year and uh, be, being a part of our group and on a team in a group and being a part of all the different things that we're developing and doing as a team and as a church. If you engage in those areas, what you're doing is you're planting your spiritual gift into the soil of this house that God called you and you watch what happens. It will flourish, it will grow, and there will be great fulfillment in your life. You'll say, man, I know I'm just putting a pipe and drape, but man, I've had better community setting up this dang pipe and drape than I had my whole entire life. Right. Hanging out, people are loving me, we're in relationship with one another, we're praying for each other, we have community with one another. The way for you to experience everything God has for you is not an event. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a once-a-year serve day. It's you getting into the journey of just getting your seed in the soil and watch what God does. He gets you in that place, Man, he started out doing pipe and drape. My dad's an amazing photographer, and all of a sudden he finds himself, oh, hey, hey dad, we need to take pictures. Oh, I'd love to do that. He starts taking pictures, and, and then his pictures go on our website, and the girl goes online and Googles, hey, uh, churches in, in Southeast Calgary, and all of a sudden a picture pops up, and it's a girl praying for this other girl, and it's a powerful picture, and man, that just touched my life because that person looked like my father, and it was my dad, and oh my God, and he sees it, and their life's changed, and the trajectory of the future forever, all for one stinking picture because he got in a certain pipe and drape because he obeyed the word of God and said, okay, I'm going to plant my gift into this soil. You just don't know what God has in store for your life. You just have to plant it in the soil that God has put you in. So if God's called you to be in this soil, come on church, come on church. Put your gift into the soil and watch what God does. Watch what God does with your life. Now I want to show you something here. I knew you before. I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I want you to notice something, that the purpose came before the person. The purpose came before the person. So God did not create you and say, hmm, what do I want to do with Deb? I really don't know. Let me think about it. Okay, I, she, she thinks this way and talks this way and acts this way. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make her a carpenter. Oh, no, that didn't work. No, how, I just said something. 
before the foundation of time, your purpose was created well before you were, which means this, many of us are walking around on the planet not being fitted for the purposes of God. We are wearing coats way too small for us, way too big for us, not doesn't look very good on us. And you say, man, why don't I fit in? And why, why am I always embarrassed? And why am I always, I feel like I ever can quite cut it in life? And why do I feel like there's more? It's because we need to realize that God's purposes, his wiring, his gifting, his passions for your life were created before you were. And we have to go back to the place where we understand that knowing Jesus better will help us reveal our original design of how we were made and how we were wired. Many of us think, that we're the ones to create the purpose. He had ones to choose, but in reality, think about that for a minute. Before the foundations of time, he had your purpose chosen with great fulfillment in your life and great destiny in your life. So why is this, why do we get so hung up like this? We're made in the image of God, but we're not fitting we're, we're made in the image of God and we, we're followers of Jesus and man, Ryan, I go to church and I read my Bible. Why does it feel like I just can't quite figure out why I am here? Why do I have this wiring that, that feels off? Why do I feel like I don't know what I'm passionate about? Why is life like this? I want to tell you why. And very clearly in Psalms 51.5, it says this, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So Jesus had an original intention to create you to be a certain way and then you were born into a sinful world. You were born into a sinful world where you came into a world where your parents labeled you and your friends mistreated you or someone hurt you or there was abuse or there was mistreatment or something happened along your journey and you were rewired. And so if we've been rewired from our original intention, we have to recognize that it is the objective of the church to help people be rewired back to the original intention that God had for them. And sometimes, I'm a first to stand in line, rewiring really hurts sometimes. Because yeah. i got to get to see life differently. And if we try to do anything outside of God's intended purpose for our life, hear me, you will malfunction. Yeah. That's why your relationships aren't working out. That's why you can't seem to get over this addiction. That's why you can't seem to fit wherever you go. It's because, hey, and I've been there, and I feel that way often. I just realize that, man, I'm not pursuing God's way. I'm pursuing my way, and if I pursue my way, I malfunction. I fall in sin. I make mistakes. I fall short. I live under this cloud of discouragement and depression. I fear in my life, and I don't know where to go, and the things that impact me hold me down, and they weigh me down. Why is this happening in my life? Why do I feel this way? It's because I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to rewire me. You're not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, chapter two, or 12, verse two. There has to be an environment where we're allowing the Holy Spirit to rewire us. Now, we struggle because we're in a fallen world. I mean, look at this verse. I got, I got a few more thoughts to share with you. So hang on to me for a minute because I really feel like I want to share with you four different uh, wirings that happened that many of us struggle with that keep us from engaging the purposes of God. Very quickly. But I want to read this verse, Romans 7. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. 
But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is my new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God. It has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. <laughs> so this war going on in within you that I don't know my purpose is, I want to know my purpose, but I, I just can't stop giving in to this inside of me. I want you to know Jesus has set you free. There's four things he set you free from. Four things that happen in a fallen world that we want to undo. First thing is this. We're talking about Moses. Moses was, had a, a moment with God. He was uh, called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. He was called to go and be a mouthpiece for God to the, to the Israelites to bring them out into Egypt. And this is the conversation God comes to Moses and says, I've called you to lead my people. I've called you with a purpose on your life. Before you were born, I had a purpose for you. And I want you to know the purpose I have for you, you're going to fulfill it. And Moses gave four rebuttals to God. His first rebuttal was this. In Exodus 3.11, Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? How am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? The first thing we deal with is who am I? Our insecurities. I want you to hear me. This is medicine for your soul. This is a silver bullet that will fix your problems. Hello. Only for $59.99 for six months. Every insecurity you have is a lack of identity to who you are. So when you struggle with insecurity, it's because there, that is God's way of drawing you closer to him. Because our insecurity comes from our lack of identity in Christ. So often when God calls, well, who am I? I'm not very good at that. I mean, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at this. And like, I'm just like, whatever. Like, you know, like I try and I failed and I'm just, and I'm not really secure. Like, you know, whatever. Just, you know, like, well, okay, no. Uh, uh, we just kind of do this kind of thing of like, oh, you know, excuses. And, uh, and it's because really we don't realize we are the son and daughter of the most high God. And we were created with the foundations of the earth with intentions to bring glory to God and to make a difference on this planet. Right. And then even in our insecurities and even in our shortcomings, that if we would lean into our relationship with the Lord and begin to allow him to speak to our hearts, he would minister to us in such a way where we no longer are insecure. And listen, yeah, you're going to be insecure if you try to live life on your own, but guess what? My confidence comes to the cross of Jesus Christ. My confidence comes from knowing who God is in my life. My confidence comes from knowing that I can't cut it. I can't make it. I can't go the distance. I can't do this. But guess what? Because I have God in my life, I can do everything he's called me to do. Romans, James chapter 1, look at this. If some fail to do what God requires, it's as if they forgot the word as soon as they hear it. And one minute they look in the mirror and the next they forget who they are and what they look like. Isn't it a crazy thought to look at yourself in a mirror and to walk away and to actually not know who you are? The way for you to overcome your insecurity is to read your Bible. Yeah. The way for you to overcome your security is the scripture says, look, however, 
It is possible to open up your eyes and take in beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. And if you pursue that path and actually do what God has commanded, then you will avoid the many distractions that lead to an amnesia of all true things and you will be blessed. See, the reading of the word of God is a way for you to look at yourself in the mirror and be reminded that when you look at yourself in the mirror, when I look myself in the mirror, guess who I'm looking at? My father. Yeah. <laughs> my genetic the person I was made in the image of. I'm looking at my dad. Not my physical father, but my spiritual father. And I look at the word of God and I see who he's called me to be. And I see the man he's called me to be and I realize, God, if you're calling me to do this, by your word, I can do this. Second thought here today, and I'm almost finished this morning. Exodus 4.1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord has never appeared to you? The second, the, the second uh, uh, negative uh, wiring that we've embraced through the fall is this. What if they fear? Fear of man. It's amazing how many people that I talk to that are so afraid of man. How many people I talk to that their father when they were young hurt them and still to this day their father has control over them and every decision that they make is to make their father happy even though he's passed away and even though he hurts you. you the control of man and, I, and, and it happens to every person including myself where we allow natural human beings be our God. Whether it's a spiritual person that we admire, we say, wow, look how holy he is and how good he is. That's making that guy a God. Or somebody who's hurt you and wounded you and you allow them to control your life. You're making that person your God, our God. Our God is a life-giving God. Our God is a freedom-giving God. Our God is a transforming God. Our God is a God of faith and a God of hope and a God of love and a God of transformation. Our God, he's the real God. Not people. For Galatians 1.10, for if I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Look at this. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Fear of man is a crazy strategy of the devil. And I just want to speak to it today. I rebuke it. The best thing I ever did in my life is stop caring what you think of me <laughs> in the most holy way, right? The best thing I did for myself was stop allowing other people to dictate how I live my life. He sets you free from that in the name of Jesus today. The fear of man. As I never have been and I'm not now even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I have never, I am not good enough, inadequacy. There's a story in the Bible, and I won't read it, but there's a story in the Bible where it's called the triumphal entry. It's actually Palm Sunday. You remember the story when Jesus told the disciples to go into the city and grab a donkey, a colt, who had never been ridden, was tied to a post. And he said, go get that donkey and go and get that donkey and I, I want you to bring him to me. And so they went into town and they got this donkey and the owner said, hey, don't take my donkey. And he said, the Lord sent us. He said, okay, you can have the donkey. <laughs> and, I, and they threw these these. these uh, these uh, garments over the donkey. And here's Jesus riding in and people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the name of the most high God. He's come to save us. And they're laying the palm branches down. This is a prophetic moment of the return of Christ. It was the moment where the world had acknowledged that Jesus is God and all the glory was being given to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an incredible story. But let's take for a moment the picture from the, from the donkey. 
He had never been ridden, tied up, never been used for anything, was just a little work truck, insignificant, wasn't a royal steed, wasn't an elephant. And yet somehow God knew that he wanted that donkey. I want that colt. And he went and got that colt. And instead of choosing to ride on an elephant, and instead of choosing to ride on a royal steed, and instead of trying just to float, for goodness sake, so they don't want a hoverboard, like whatever, he chose a little donkey. And imagine being this donkey, like, he's trotting along thinking, oh man, people are really, like, what's happening? All these people are throwing the palm branches down. He's thinking, you know, hey, this is awesome. What's, what's going on here? Like, like I'm just, I've never been ridden before. I've been tired of the post. I'm insignificant. I've never gone anywhere. I've never done anything. Like, I, you know, I smell bad. Like, hee -haw. you know, I look funny. I talk funny. Like, what's going on? And little did he know that the Messiah, the King of Glory, was on his back. He was carrying the very King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And did you know that in your life right now, you carry the very King of Kings and the Lord of Lords within you? The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Yes, Every time you say, Lord, I'm inadequate. God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I've made too many mistakes. He says, that's okay. I rode on a donkey's back. You're just like a donkey. It's all right. I know you can't talk well. I know you don't act well. I know you screwed up so stinking much. But guess what? I've still chosen to ride on your back, to use you for my kingdom, to, to bring my glory to the earth through your life. He wants you. The last one is this, and I know I'm going over my time. The last one is this, Exodus 4.13. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send and use someone else. The last one is this, send or use someone else, reluctance. I want to share something with you as I end our time here together that the Lord put on my heart that I want to say to you. I feel like there's a strategy of the devil and the way he distracts you, the way he keeps you reluctant is in two specific ways. The first way, he gives you things, he gives you possessions, and he gives you power. Sometimes I've thought about this a lot. There's blessings in people's lives. And I talk to a lot of people. There's blessings in their lives. And the very blessing that God gave them, the devil uses to distract them. So somebody's craving for a job and they get just, they're on their hands and knees seeking God and then they get a job and guess what? Now they're distancing themselves from God. And it is a distraction of the enemy. And I want to tell you today, things, uh, listen, I hear my heart. I love things and house and cars and boats and all those things, whatever. God bless you. Some of them, God blesses you with them. But I want you to hear me. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying that the devil can use those things to distract you. He can use these blessings from God to distract you from actually stepping into, well, Ryan, I got, a, I got my business is really blowing up, man. I can't really give in that way anymore. Man, how's your, how's your walk? How many, are you reading your word? You spend time with the Lord? Well, I, you know, I kind of really can't any longer because I've just been too busy doing this and doing this, you know? So maybe next time, like, like things, distraction, vacations, uh, items, money, power, all those things are good. But if left to themselves, if not redeemed and, uh, to honor the Lord and to serve his church and to, and to serve his kingdom they are distraction from the evil one and i know this because in matthew chapter 4 satan took the devil to the very top of a tower and said if you simply bow down before me i will give you everything that you see he tried it even with jesus the second thing is this and i'll end on this you know what he does he gives you problems he gives you you fight with your spouse you get sickness in your life find it you can't pay that bill you can't, problems in your life. And with that problem in your life, what he does is, he, he causes you to think that the, God is doing this to you. 
God is causing this problem. God is allowing this sickness. God is allowing this issue. When really, God is saying, I never did that to you. I only give good and perfect gifts. These four things keep us from being used by God, keep us from being rewired, keep us from experiencing His passion, keep us from experiencing our gifting and actually giving that gifting to the house of God and seeing great fulfillment in our life. And I want you to know today, you don't have to live that way any longer. Jesus came to set you free. He came to break those bondages in your life. We're starting something in a few weeks at our church called Discover You. And we're going to be providing an opportunity for you to sit down. We're going to do some spiritual gifting and we're going to do some personality stuff. And we've done it before, but we're going to actually sit down and do some teaching and help you understand. We want to figure out not just your gifts so you can serve Ryan or serve the church. We want to know who you are. It's more about who you are than what you do. And we're going to get you into a little journey where we're, we're going from discover to discover you. We want to know who you are, teach you a little bit. Then we're going to go to a season called life change. Where you begin to experience life change, life, life change in your life, where all these different areas of your life, we're rewiring your thinking so that we can come out the other end and be the people that God has called us to be. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Close your eyes for a minute. I just want to pray for you. Every eye closed in this place. Come on, you're here today. You say, Ryan, I need to be rewired today. Those four excuses, one of them sticks out to me. And I, I just feel like today, I want you to pray for me. I want you just to say a prayer for me. Come on, this is a step of faith. Say, okay, God, I acknowledge that I need breakthrough in my life. Come on, on the count of three, say, Ryan, I need prayer right now. There's been some negative wiring, and I need you to just pray for me right now. One, two, three. Come on, put your hand in the air today. You feel like that's, oh, come on. So almost everybody in the room, praise God. Come on, amen. Father, right now I pray for these people. Lord, this negative script, this negative wiring, Lord, the enemy's distractions. I pray right now, God, that they would, Father, Lord, be able to go on a journey of freedom where there's the bondage that the, that the enemy and life and the fallen world, Lord, just our existence sometimes keeps us. I pray right now, the Lord, that you would silence the negative scripts in their thinking. And Lord, that you would begin to rewire them. Lord, I pray for the transformation of their mind right now. That they might know what you've called them to do. And I speak to every mind in this place. And I speak to every heart and soul. And I speak to that frame and that body. You were created by God and for God. You were created by God and for God. And we pray today, God, we redeem our life for you, Father. We lay it at your feet. We ask you to transform our lives, God. And I pray that we would invest ourselves into what you're calling us to invest ourselves into, Lord. And that you'd minister to our hearts and minister to our minds. Come on, every eye closed. I always ask this question. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you do not have a relationship with him, and today you're here and you'd like to start one, come on, if that's you today, I want to just pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to pray with you. Anybody in the room want to give their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time? Come on, on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, anybody in the room today? Come on, anybody in the room today? Amen. Amen. Church, just quickly repeat after me. Lord Jesus, come on one more time. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Come on, every voice in this place, I give my life to you. I want to start a journey of knowing who I am in you. I give my life to you. 
Thank you for all your grace in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.